It's Thursday, so that means it's time for another edition of the NHL Power Rankings voted on by the hosts of the Locked On NHL podcast. It's coming your way right after this. You're Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, one of the hosts of Locked On Penguins, joined by Gil Martin, the host of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Gil is pinch hitting yet again this week. We're hoping to have a full-time replacement for Jay pretty soon, but Gil, really appreciate you coming on to pinch hit here again. As always, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. So, Gil, we got them. The power rankings are in as voted on by the hosts of all of the NHL podcasts on the Locked On NHL Network. And let's start with the Metropolitan Division here. No surprise who is at the top. The New York Rangers, they are kicking a lot of butt. Under Peter Laviolette, they're on a five-game winning streak. They just went on that massive road trip out west and just kicked all those teams' butts, honestly. <laughs> and they're playing some really good hockey right now. And this is honestly what you see with a lot of teams under Peter Laviolette when he first gets hired. He usually can get results right away. It's usually maybe two, three, four years after where the results start to get a bit stale. But right now, he has the Rangers playing really good hockey, both offensively and defensively. No surprise that they're at the top of the Metropolitan Power Rankings here. Yeah, no shock. And, you know, this team looks more balanced than they have in the past. You always were worried about scoring depth. They seem to be getting more of it. And the fact that seven of their nine games have been on the road, including, as you mentioned, the the long West Coast road trip, makes this 7-2 and start look even more impressive. Agreed. And they're getting contributions from everyone on the lineup. Pernarin has 15 points in nine games. Adam Fox is playing like one of the three best defensemen on the planet. Mika Zibanejad's been great. Kreider already has six goals. You have the kids really stepping up. For example, Alexei Lafreniere, four goals in his first nine games. Vinny Trocek hasn't been bad. They're getting contributions from everyone in the lineup. And of course, Igor Shostorkin in that has also been very good. Outside of them, you have the Devils and the Hurricanes rounding out the top three. No surprise, the Hurricanes have woken up. They've won three straight after starting out the season three and four. They've got Svechnikov back. They're firing on all cylinders right now. It was only a matter of time, I think, before the Hurricanes woke up. And then for the New Jersey Devils, they're also playing very well. Five and two and one. They've won two in a row. The difference between these two teams, power rankings-wise, was you know less than one vote, basically, if you look at who voted for who. Again, no surprise overall by the top three and with how the Hurricanes woke up and the Devils continuing their strong play as well. Yeah, no question. And, you know, Carolina, the thing that surprised me was how many goals they were giving up early right. in the season. And yet, you know, they're starting to round into form. And, and you, you sort of have to know that a Rod Brindmore team is going to get back to its consistently good play over time. The Devils have two games in hand on Carolina and they're only a point back. So I I think we, you know, we'll see some more good things from the devils in the short run. I agree. And especially on the Carolina situation, they were giving up quite a lot of goals. And that's usually something you don't see from Rod Brindamore's system, especially with how 
deep Carolina is defensively. It was just a bit odd to see, but they're frowning into form. Some teams have slow starts, but they're they're waking up at least a little bit. Outside of that, you have the Islanders at number four, followed by the Washington Capitals. The Islanders, Gil, I'll let you mainly have the talk with this one. Four, two, and two. They've lost one in a row, but still four and two and two to start the year. Are you okay with them being in the number four spot in the Metro right now? I am. I I, I think that's roughly where they belong. The, the big thing about the Islanders just remains sort of inconsistency. Yeah. And, you know, they're giving up a lot more shots and quality scoring opportunities than they normally would. I think Lane Lambert is still trying to figure out his line combinations and the injury to Scott Mayfield has hurt them a bit defensively, but boy, have the two goaltenders, both uh, Semyon Varlamov and of course, Ilya Sorokin played well. And that's why they are where they are. Sorokin is, I continue to say it, man, he's insane. I, I, I've seen some of the saves he's made this year and my mouth just drops to the floor because I'm like, how are you doing this on an every night basis? But that's why he's a top two to three goalie in the league at this point. And you said Varlamov. Yeah. He's been also very solid this year too. And you know, if that tandem continues to play like that, again, the Islanders are going to be a tougher out than maybe even I anticipated heading into the year. The Capitals, they come in at number five right now. The Caps are four and three and one. They've at least woken up a bit. They are, They've won three in a row after that really bad one in three and one start, but it may get a bit difficult going forward. We saw the Nicholas Backstrom news. Yeah. On Wednesday, Gilly's taking some time away from hockey, dealing with his injury situation. I, I hope he's able to play again because he's such a fun player to watch. He's probably one of the most underrated players of this generation. Just a great playmaker, especially on the right half ball in the Capitals power play, but just overall his vision on the ice has been top tier. There's no doubt. I think he's going to be a, ho- a hall of famer. Yeah, he deserves it. And it's kind of funny because you you have so many, you go back in NHL history and there are so many great combinations of the setup guy and the sniper and the sniper gets all the attention and all the love and the setup guy kind of gets overlooked. Uh, I think about, you know, Brett Hull and, and Adam Oates. How long did it take Oates to get into the hall of fame? Hull was in right away. Backstrom and Ovechkin, you know, over the course of their careers, they've been such a great duo. And I don't think Ovi is as prolific without the great setups that Backstrom gave him. So I I wish Backstrom all the best and hope he can get healthy and get back into the lineup. Me too, because you don't have Penguins Capitals. And speaking from a you know person who hosts a Locked On Penguins podcast, there's no Pens Caps without him. And with Ovi, like they've been attached to each other's hips for so long, just like yep. Sid and Gino have. And I really hope that he's able to make it back at some point. Just again, wish him the best as well. But overall, the Caps, they've woken up at least a little bit. They're getting decent goaltending. Alex, Alex Ovechkin starting to play a bit better. Dylan Strome has been awesome Ooh, yet again for them. And he's on fire right now. And so after everyone, myself included, was really crushing the Capitals for their start, they've seen to at least woken up a little bit, which is good because they, they were looking like a team guild that was maybe going to be a lottery team after the first five games this year. Yeah, they started very slowly. Still some questions with injuries as far as who the backup goalie is going to be. And their goal differential is still minus seven as of now, but you get the feeling they're finding their groove. And if they do, they can be a dangerous hockey team. I agree. Yeah. If they can continue to get the scoring from Strom, if Ovechkin wakes up at least a little bit more and they continue to get any production from Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie, if Evgeny Kuznetsov plays well, this team could find itself in the playoff hunt, you know, come March 
in come April. Then finally, the bottom three teams, really no surprise, Philadelphia, Columbus, and Pittsburgh. The Flyers, they had that pretty good start to the year. They were, what was it, 4-2-1. and one. They lost three in a row. They're 4-5-1 and one now. It might get a bit harder before it gets better, though, especially this year, Gil, with Carter Hart's injury, according to Elliot Freeman on 32 Thoughts. He's going to miss some time, which that's a killer with how good he's been the last year, year and a half. Yeah, I mean, he makes such a difference keeping the Flyers in a lot of games that they probably don't deserve to be in, and then they, they're they able to win some of them. Uh, I guess, you know, the next man up mentality has to come into play, and this is an opportunity for somebody to step forward, but whether or not the Flyers have quality in their backup goaltending, we're going to find out in a very short amount of time. Right, I agree with that. And then for Columbus... They are 3-4-2. and two. They've lost four in a row. I'm not really too surprised by that. I wasn't really that high on Columbus heading into this year. I could, I think they could have been maybe a little bit of a sleeper team in quotation marks, but I'm not really too surprised that they've lost four in a row. Then Pittsburgh, I mean, I'll just say this. I'm stunned by this. 3-6-0 and six and oh to start the year. Just finding ways to lose instead of finding ways to win. The goaltending hasn't been good. Tristan Jari has had two quality starts, but outside of that just has been Really inconsistent. The bottom six hasn't been scoring. The top six have been doing all the work. Eric Carlson's been good, Chris Tang. But when you only have two lines that are scoring, you're not really going to win on a consistent basis. And we'll have to see if the Penguins can turn around. They have a Western uh, California trip. Western Canada trip. I almost said Western Canada. They have the California trip, excuse me, coming up on Saturday. Starting with the San Jose Sharks, the team that has yet to win a game. So I know a lot of people in this fan base are expecting the Sharks to get that win against the Penguins. But if they really want to turn this around, it starts on Saturday against the Sharks. Are you concerned that, you know, goaltending and depth scoring, which were the two issues the Penguins had last year, seem to be the same issues they're having now? Yes, I I, I do think so. And the third line, I will say, has been a bit better ever since Redeem Zohorna was called up. He's injected some umph into it and really just giving it a spark that it didn't have when Jansen Harkins was on that line. He has a couple goals. Lars Eller has had a goal since he was called up. Drew O'Connor, I think, has looked better. They're getting some decent play from them, but the fourth line has been a total black hole. None of those players have scored yet this season. Jeff Carter, it looks like, is going to get scratched on Saturday, which, you know, thank God it's been it's been really bad for the last year, year and a half. And then goaltending-wise, I'm kind of at the point now. I mean, I had a bold prediction heading into the year. I thought Tristan Jari was going to be really good this year. But based on what I've seen, it honestly just seems like Jari is who he is, and that's what he's going to be throughout the rest of this five-year contract. And if he stays that way, that contract is going to be a mess, in my opinion. It's looking like a blunder, at least right now, from what Kyle Dubas signed during the offseason. But I think that'll do it for this first segment discussing the Metropolitan Division. Coming up in the second segment, Gil and I are going to get into the Atlantic Division power rankings and who stands out for those. All right, before we get to that, though, we got to tell you all about Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. You can do this with your friends. You can do this with your family. Heck, you can even do this by yourself if you want to. You can also do daily fantasy NFL 
NBA, MLB, at least when the season starts next year. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers on winning the World Series on Wednesday night. And you can also do college football. All you have to do is pick whether studs like Connor McDavid, Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon will record basically their stats. Goals, assists, you can even do plus minus if you want to include goalies like Ilya Sorokin or Igor Shostorkin. You can do saves and all that good stuff. And all you have to do, use promo code LOCKED on NHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKED on NHL. See sleepers, terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, we're back here on this Thursday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, joined by Gil Martin. So let's get into the Atlantic power rankings for this week. And no surprise at the top, the Boston Ruins, 8-0-1. This is just absolutely nuts, man. It really is. The fact that they continue to do this with no Patrice Bergeron and no David Krejci is honestly a sight to behold. So far this season, David Postrak is on a man on a mission. Eight goals, 14 points in nine games. Brad Marshan has also had a point per game. Charlie McAvoy's been incredible. Those three have really been carrying the load for the Bruins. And then obviously in net, you have Linus Allmark doing a really good job with his stats. I mean, he has a 939 save percentage this year. Jeremy Swimman has a 957 save percentage this year. The Bruins continue to get away with this, even without David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron. And it's honestly incredible. Jim Montgomery, I think, is doing a really great job with this team. And their star players in net and up front, and even on the back end with McAvoy, are doing one heck of a job. This team is really good to start this year. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. And then, I mean, what kind of a situation is that to have – you know, Olmark and Swayman almost like competing to see who can outdo the other one. Right. And they're both doing the job. There are so many goaltending starved teams right now. I mean, you talked about the Penguins. How about the Lightning? I mean, there are teams begging for goaltending help, and they have two goalies who are just on top of their game right now. And on my show over the summer with my co-host Patrick Amp, I was advocating for the Penguins to go after one of those guys, whether it's Allmark or Swayman, because I know the Bruins had their cap issues over the summer. I'm like, go get one of them, because I know I knew how good both of them were. Well, we're seeing just how good both of them are now. Even though it's a small sample size this year, both Allmark and Swayman were unbeatable last year, and you're seeing that carry over to this year. And you know, going forward outside the Bruins – the Red Wings have been awesome to start the year. They're second in the power rankings as voted on by the Lockdown NHL hosts. But six and three and one, you're thinking, oh, we should be in first right now. Well, there's that team in Boston that's playing really well. The Red Wings, six and three and one, as I just said, getting scoring from all over their lineup. They're also getting great goaltending. It's looking like the Red Wings have finally turned the corner in the quote unquote Iser plan. They continue to play like this. I think they can break their seven year drought for making the playoffs potentially this year. Yeah, I got to see them play the Islanders earlier this week. And boy, mm-hmm. they they have some talent, some speed. Yep. And you mentioned the goaltending. They're not going away anytime soon. No, they're not. And we actually, I saw the Penguins play them earlier on in the season. And I saw the same things that you did. The Red Wings are very quick. They're very deep, not just down the middle, but overall, their forward group is very good. Defensively, I think they're pretty solid. Heck, Jeff Petrie looks like he's the number seven defenseman. And, you know, for someone who is only getting not even, what, $3 million for 
this season, having him as your number seven defenseman is a pretty good luxury, in my opinion. So not surprised that they're at number two. Number three, the Maple Leafs for the Lightning. Both teams have been pretty solid to start the year. The Maple Leafs 5-3-1. and one, They've lost a couple games in a row. The Lightning, they're treading water. 4-2-3. and three, Below 500 if you take out the loser point and you just add it on to their regular losses and regulation. But they're doing what they need to do, I think, Gil, before Andre Vasilevsky comes back later on this season. And if they can continue to do that and stay in this race until Vasilevsky's ready to return, they should be just fine. Yeah, they're just trying to tread water right now until right. Uh, Vasilevsky returns. And the interesting split for Tampa Bay, 4-0-2 at home, 0-2-1 on the road. So, yeah, some teams, it's funny. You see that kind of split, but then you look at other teams which are better on the road compared to at home. It's I always like looking at those yeah. throughout each season. One team I'm surprised that's actually not above either of those two teams are the Montreal Canadiens because they've been playing a bit better. As only five and two and two overall, third place in the Atlantic. They have one more point than the Lightning and the Maple Leafs. I guess I can understand a little bit as to why the voters ranked the Lightning and Maple Leafs above the Canadians, because let's face it, those two teams are probably going to be in the race at the end of the season ahead of the Canadians. But let's not take away the Canadians have been a bit feisty this yeah. year. They're winning some games that you know maybe they would have lost last year. I don't think they're going to be a lottery team this year. I think they're going to make it hard on some teams this season. Again, I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but they're still playing some pretty good hockey right now. And that is, that should be commended, even though this is a team that people had low expectations for heading into the year. I think they're taking a step forward in their rebuilding program right now. And they're a better team this year than they were a year ago. Obviously, you know, Will they keep up this kind of a pace? I don't think so, but I think they will be a uh, you know a team that won't be easy to beat and that will stick around in the playoff race a little longer than a lot of people expected. That would be good, at least just because we all know how great the playoff race was last year. And if we can have it be even better this year, and especially maybe if the Penguins turn around and maybe some of these other teams that we're going to get to in just a second in the East, this could make for a lot of fun down the stretch. And finally, we'll get to them now. The Panthers, the Sabres, and the Senators, three teams that have been kind of disappointments so far this season, Gil. The Senators at 4-4-0, four and four and oh, they just fired their general manager on Wednesday, Pierre Dorian, and whew, that press conference from the Ottawa Senators owner, that was a sight to behold with some of his quotes. I'm, I, I'm not surprised that he wasn't fine, but just the, the bluntness that he had talking about Dorian and just Everything that's gone on with the Dadmoff situation, the Shane Pinto situation, the way the team has started, he's not happy, to say the least. And, you know, they're 4-4-0. I actually just saw the Senators over this past weekend, and they played a pretty good game against the Penguins, but I would say Jonas Corposalo had by far his best start of the season in that one. The Panthers, they're kind of trying to tread water in the same way like the Lightning Guild, where they're waiting for their two main defensemen to come back before Basically, they can really start. And- Getting going. You know, they're still above NHL 500 yeah. right now. The whole division right now, the Atlantic, is NHL 500 or better. Yeah. It's going to be a heck of a competition, I think. This division may be the deepest in hockey right now. It's going to be a dogfight. Heck, you know, Buffalo, they had a little bit of a slow start. They've started to wake up a little bit. They've won two in a row. I think they are going to be a bit better sooner rather than later. But overall, I think this is arguably the deepest division in the NHL. You can still argue the Metro, maybe. The Pacific is also right there, too. But with how the Atlantic has started this year and how some of these teams are starting to turn around, maybe a couple other teams are performing better than we expect. 
there's not a team that's below 500 in that, you know, that's a big deal, at least in our opinions. But I think that would do it for this second segment. Coming up to end the show, we're going to get into the two divisions in the Western Conferences, the power rankings, and who is too high, who's too low, and what could change with that. That's coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? If you're building a roster to win the league, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And look, this is a great time of year in sports. You have the NFL, college football, NBA, of course, the NHL. You could use your expertise there to win some money on FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, we're back here on this Thursday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, joined by Gil Martin. And let's get to the central division here, Gil. And no surprise, the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars won and two in this division, respectively. Colorado had their perfect undefeated season snapped last week, but they're still seven and two right now. This is one of the best teams in the league in Dallas, six and one and one. Both teams showing why they're Stanley Cup contenders. I don't think they're going to be moving from these top two spots for a long time at this point. Yeah, these are the two teams that are sort of in a different tier than the rest of this division. And you get the feeling, you know, one point separates them right now and Dallas has a game in hand. You get the feeling that race will go back and forth throughout most of this season. I agree. And then the the rest of this division right now, it seems like, as the kids like to say, it's a whole lot of mid right now. You have... The Winnipeg Jets, 4-3-2. They've lost a couple games in a row. They're coming up in our number three spot. Arizona's at least playing better this year, 4-4-1. Congratulations to Logan Cooley. He got his first NHL goal this week. Nationals, 4-5. Minnesota's had a really bad start. They lost three in a row, 3-4-2. St. Louis is 3-4-1. And and then the Blackhawks are 3-6. Every other team in this division is 500, a little bit below 500. The race for that third spot for that playoff spot it's wide open 
right now outside of Dallas and Colorado. I'm curious to see who wants to take that opportunity because Minnesota has really struggled out of the gate, and that leaves an opportunity for a team like an Arizona, like a Winnipeg that a lot of people weren't really that high on heading into the year. But, hey, maybe there's a chance that one or both those teams could make the playoffs this year. Everybody always writes off Winnipeg, and they always end up hanging around. They, they may not be an elite team, but they're good enough to hang around, and I think Connor Hellebuck has a lot to do with that. And Arizona, one of the more improved teams in the league, a lot of young talent. They're probably still a year away from real playoff contention, but they're surprising a lot of people early on this year. I agree. And I, I think Arizona, you know, with Keller, with Logan Cooley, and I think when Jason Zucker comes back, they have a pretty formidable top six, in my yeah. opinion. And they do. They, and they the get thing is, you know, nine games in, they're four, four, and one. Yeah. Their goal differential is plus six, which means that they may be a little better than their record indicates. They're playing well defensively, and they're getting good goaltending from Vimelka. Yes. In that. So this should be a team that I think people keep their eye on this year. Winnipeg, I think you said it. They at least have the scoring that can keep up with some of the other teams in the league, and they do have the great equalizer in net in Connor Hellebuck. He, the ageless wonder, I think, at this point. And no matter how old he gets, and he's not even really that old right now, He's always, I think, going to be one of the best goalies in the league. But this division, very just odd, to say the least. You have Nashville at number five on the power rankings. Arizona being at six is honestly, I think, a little bit disrespectful. They Mm -hmm. should be moved up, I think, above Nashville and Minnesota, in my opinion. They should be at least number four in these power rankings. I don't like Uh, that they're at number six. Yeah, I'm surprised Minnesota is struggling as much as they are. I I just thought they would be uh, the third team in the division, but... Right now, they just look out of sync and and don't seem to find haven't seemed to find their identity yet. Agreed, and I do think it's eventually going to come at some point this year. I think this wild team is too talented to struggle this much and to miss the playoffs. I think they will figure it out. And then at the bottom, Gil, St. Louis and Chicago, no surprise there. I expect both those teams to miss the playoffs. I really wasn't high on both of them heading into the year, but as long as Connor Bedard plays well, and then for St. Louis. Not really sure what the plan is with that team. I think they may have to sell at the trade deadline. They don't really do much over the offseason, which I kind of found a bit odd, to say the least. And then finally, we'll get to the Pacific here. And let's get to the Vegas Golden Knights, a team that continues to kick all the butt in the world. 9-0-1 to start the year, 19 points. And if you're a team like, say, the Canucks or the Kings, who have both had really good starts, you got to be looking at the Knights being like, how in the heck are we going to catch you all at some point this year? Because the Knights, man, they are just continuing to kick so much butt. Supposed to be a Stanley Cup hangover, right? I nope. mean, you, you're supposed to have a slow start after winning big, not this team. And no. uh, 9-0-1, as you said, best goal differential in the league at plus 16. Uh, balance, depth. You know, here's a team that wins by wearing you down because they have four lines that can, you know, there's not one line that you're terrified of, but they have four lines that can really be faster than you, more physical than you. They're relentless. Got to give them credit. And Vancouver, one of the best pleasant surprises in the league so far this year. I will tip my cap to myself for the Vancouver Canucks, because I thought they were going to be much better this year. And so far, Rick Tuckett has those boys playing well. And I think people are finally starting to realize just how good Elias Pettersson is as a player, one of the best in the league. You have JT Miller playing well. 
Defensively, they're getting really good value out of those players. And then in net, Thatcher Demko is off to a really good start too. And I, I expect them to make the playoffs this year. I picked them to get in. They're playing some outstanding hockey right now. After the Canucks though, and then the Knights, you have the Kings at number three, no surprise there. They're getting good value out of their forwards and their defensemen. And they're also getting pretty, at least goaltending that's passable this year. That was the main area that I was a bit down on them this year, just because I didn't really think they did that much to shore up their goaltending issues. But so far, it's passing the test in them, in my opinion. And let's talk about the Anaheim Ducks. They come in at number four in the power rankings. They've won five in a row, six and four and oh to start this year. They're not even close to being as bad as they were last year. And let's face it, Gil, they were a lottery team last year, but so far this year, Mason McTavish has been really good. Troy Terry has been great. Frank Vetrano already has two hat tricks this year. He's averaging a goal per game at this point. I just saw the Ducks play the Penguins earlier this week. And while I don't think the Ducks played that well in that game, they took advantage of the Penguins mishaps and they were able to make them pay in that game. And, you know, John Gibson, you know, before that game, he got a little bit banged up in that game against the Penguins. He's having a pretty decent bounce back here. This is a team that is playing some really good hockey right now. And I hope that continues because this is a team that's been pretty bad these last few years, but they have a lot of young talent that I think is ready to show the league that, you know, don't forget all of, all about us down here in Southern California. They're fun to watch right yeah. now. They they really are fun to watch. Five straight wins, a, a positive goal differential, and, and just a team that's – and four of their six wins have been on the road. I like the start for this Ducks team. There is some young talent here. The question is, will the defense hold up? The goaltending looks pretty solid. I agree with that overall. And then the, the final four teams in this division, you could honestly interchange these with the Oilers, the Kraken, the Flames, and the Sharks. We all – I would say you can interchange the, the three. Yeah, the I was going to say. The Sharks exactly are the worst that. team in hockey. They have not even won a game yet, though. There's a chance that they could on Saturday against the Penguins. They're 0-8-1 to start the year. Gil, they have a minus 26 goal differential this yeah. year. That is awful. Just flat out awful. I feel really bad for the hockey fans in San Jose. But this is a team that's designed to tank. It's designed to get the number one pick in the draft. We all know that they were going to be bad this year. I didn't think they were going to be this bad through nine games, but it has been a chore to watch them this year. So no surprise that they come in at that number eight spot in the Pacific. And then the other teams, you have the Flames, two and seven and one. They've lost six in a row. I think they're going to be sellers at this deadline. I was not really high on the Flames heading into this year. I thought they were mid at best, but they've been way worse than mid to start the year. And they, if they do decide to sell and this continues to go south, they will have some good players that they could potentially dangle at that deadline, like a Noah Hannafin, mm-hmm. like an Andrew Majapane, like an Elias Lindholm. They have some serious talent on this team, and to see it not performing right now, it's a major disappointment in my opinion. Yeah, no, no question. And and their crossed Alberta rivals, the Oilers, not doing much better, although they did win the Heritage Classic. You know, there's a team that is so offensively talented, especially they are – having trouble getting out of their own way so far this season. I think they will bounce back over time, but very disappointing start to say the least. I agree. And now that Connor McDavid is back, I do think they're eventually going to figure it out, but man, they've gotten some putrid goaltending this year, especially from Jack Campbell. He has been awful for the Oilers. And again, I do think that they will be able to figure it out. The flames though, probably not so much. And then the sharks, obviously not Then The Kraken though, Gil, Three and five and two to start the year. Again, 
I do think this Seattle team, it's better than what we've seen. I don't think they're as good as what we saw last year, though. I think the Kraken overall, they're a mix from what we saw last year and what we saw from their first season. Yeah, I don't I know if that's going to be good enough to make the playoffs, but I don't. I really don't think they're this bad. Yeah, no, I don't either. It, it, you know, they they surprised a lot of people last year. Maybe arrived a year ahead of schedule. Yeah. This year, they're they're not going to surprise anybody. They're sort of taking a step back. They have to figure out their identity and and play more consistent hockey. They haven't been able to do it. The thing that concerns me most about them, the minus ten goal differential. It, it just doesn't look good uh, for a team that looks so good at the end of last season. Agreed. Yeah, and this is a team that was getting complimentary scoring from everyone in that lineup last year. And you're seeing it in sports this year, but just not enough just yet. And they're going to have to obviously get that goal differential up, get better goaltending, and just honestly start getting the results that we saw them get last year. But I think that will do it for this Thursday edition of the Locked on NHL podcast. Gil, Thank you so much for pinch hitting yet again. I really appreciate it. And you'll be back on the Locked on NHL show on Friday with Rachel of Locked on Flyers. So look for that on Friday. But again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We'll be back with another episode of the Locked on NHL podcast tomorrow.